Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you and giving you specific takeaway with the aim of making your journey at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive into things, I would love to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. That way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, and I hope it does to you. So let's dive into things. It's been a while since my last update, um, and that's because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Overall, I was in Seattle, and you know, just kind of taking things a little bit slower, you know, and, and whatnot, which was a nice change of pace, right? I think we all need that, and. You know, that's both good and bad because then you start kind of reflecting on things and whatever else, um, which which I'll talk about. But to kick things off with, you know, during that time, a big sort of um, milestone, and this happened before um, before I, I, I got to Seattle, but I had finished up the the script that I've been working on for my forthcoming movie. So this would be my third movie. It is called The Arbiters, and, you know, um, I've been tinkering it with it for a while. But now it feels in a much better place. And so because of that, it we're able to progress forward with the story development team, right? You know, it's been a while s- since the last time me and the story team got together and discussed, you know, what's working, what's not. Because I didn't want, you know, I, I just in general, my motto in life is to not waste people's time um, when avoidable, right? And it felt like there were things that I could work through myself. However, you know, at certain points, arduous and kind of, I don't know, frustrating they seemed, right? But all the same... You know, I just kept chipping away at it and getting to a place where it's like, okay, now at least it's complete, at least this version of it, and it, it gives a good indication of, okay, what can we, where we're at, right? Like, where we stand. So not only that, but also with the animation team, now they have a much better idea of what it is that we're trying to create the sort of last thing that they'd really received overall was like a pitch deck, um, character descriptions, various proof, not even proof of concepts, but just general ideas and inspirations for the look and tone of things. And an uh, a detailed treatment and things of, the, of that nature, right? But this was for a version of the script for what would make draft one, right? We're officially technically, we're on draft like two, even though I have a lot of in-between drafts of draft one and two. Like, you know, to get to like draft one, there's like 500 drafts. To get to draft two, there's like another 500 drafts. Um, but in this way, we can assess... The, the main things from the story and start to hone in closer of various parts of the process and, you know, know now 
where we need to go. We can assess the characters that have been made, you know, and, and be like, okay, what's working, what's not, how can we readjust based on, you know, story elements. And a major component of, of all this, like, I'd finished the script and I had emailed out to the various teams to schedule a meeting. And it's one of those things immediately after sending those off and, um, you know, these meetings have yet to take place. So it's going to be the 14th and the 18th um, when these meetings happen. And during this time, my mind's been racing over how to elevate the story. And I've acted upon that in the sense that I've been jotting ideas down and essentially re-outlining what the story could be. One of my friends, Jeff Graham, who has a movie out just now uh, called Always Lola, just came out. Um, you're welcome to check it out. I, you know, we're great collaborative minds. You know, he helps me a ton. I try to help him a ton. And he had asked me, you know, how do you feel about the version of the story that you, the, the script that I essentially sent everyone. And I said, it, I'm not, I'm not happy with it. I know it's not where it needs to be. There's a lot of work there, but there's enough there that allows for feedback. Right. And I stand by that. Now it's interesting for the animation meeting. I don't think, um, the, the revisions of the script that I'm thinking about, alter that meaning too much. For the story meaning, obviously they do. Um, and it's one of those things, like the, the, the stuff that I'm thinking about is not wholesale changes necessarily, but it is a pairing away of, of, of certain elements that, you know, were, were put in there because I thought, okay, you know, this would be needed or this would be cool if it was there. And really that's what revision is, is just, rewriting and mainly taking away to clarify and enhance what the story ultimately is about. You know, like there's a couple of things that I'm reshifting, like, like there's still scenes that happen, but I'm like, you know what? I think it would be better served if that notion of the story and that where it takes place actually happened a little bit later. That clears up this space to move this here. So it's just kind of a retooling of, of, of things and, and whatnot, which collectively obviously have major impacts, right? But the changes themselves are actually just small in large numbers. And what I'd like to do is to finish out the outline to send to the story development team before our meeting, which is, that's the one on the 18th, so it's later than the animation meeting. And that way we can essentially assess the script that they read, and it has the core of those elements, and then we could look at the outline from a theoretical standpoint and be like, okay, based on that script, does this theoretically solve the issues that you might have had with the script, right? So it's not me essentially wasting anyone's time. That's certainly not the intent. And perhaps some people could look at it like that, but it's more so 
I know there's issues. Here's my proposed solutions. What are your thoughts, right? And that's kind of uh, the approach to it all that, that I'm taking. So, yeah, um, that's, that's where we're at with things. I'll, I've got some exciting stuff, at least in my mind, now that the animation meeting is approaching. I mean, still, for me, a little bit ways away, but, you know, closer than, like, we all blink and it'll be here type of thing. It's on the 14th. And so I've got a roadmap that I want to present to everybody because even though it's an animation meeting, it's really like the first official production meeting where, you know, all these people will be a part of it. That, I mean, for many, this is like the first time reading the script, seeing the pitch deck, like seeing anything because I know I wanted to be involved, but at the same time, you know, it, it wasn't in a place to get them involved. And now, at least here we go, it's like this can be a first official kickoff of, okay, here's my intentions. Here's, I think, the roadmap of how we at least get to, you know, the, the first part of this that's significant. And, you know, kind of how do we get there collectively? And I'll talk about, as I said, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that after those meetings happen. So, um, yeah, look forward to that in, in the coming weeks. You know, and when I talk about the idea that we get reflective, um, there's a lot of, pro- like just creatively, there's a lot of projects that I wanna do, but in and of itself, this movie, right, is a full-time chore, and yet I only do can do it on the side. And yet, still within me, there's this fire that burns to do other stuff, right? Um, and, you know, just on my docket of stuff, thankfully I have a ghostwriter that I'm working with for my second nonfiction book, which is a filmmaking how-to book. Um, so at least that's progressing in many ways. The goal was to have a draft of it done by the end of the year. That's not going to happen, but, you know, slowly but surely we're getting there. For a long time, I've been working on my second novel. So this is fiction. And, you know, the furthest I've gotten is like four chapters, but I always go back to the re-outlining phase. Um, And because of this project, um, I've put that off simply because, you know, that requires writing. And right now where I'm at with this movie is pretty much in the writing phase. And so I don't like to have too many writing projects at the same time. If it was, you know, that I was off like doing pre-production work on the movie, then I could devote writing time to, to the novel, but we're not there. And then uh, two other things, you know, I've, I've done this short film that I filmed last November, but, and it's like partially edited, but it needs a lot of, not a ton, but like it does need VFX work and things of that nature. And that's just kind of been sitting collecting dust, which I feel bad about. 
and kind of some of it mocks like digital filmmaking and you know all these gurus who talk about like anything's possible and so forth and makes fun of AI and I think that's part of it you know there's I don't know there's like this resistance in me of well, what am I really saying with it especially now that AI like at the time that I filmed it was certainly very different in terms of the actual tools themselves and culturally than to where we are now but then part of me you know now I'm kind of looking at it well just for my own education, can I use this as an opportunity, right? Because that's what short films really are, is an opportunity to be able to learn and, and experiment and showcase something. So I'm like, okay, I know there's a lot of AI tools out there for filmmakers. So why don't I utilize some of these to finish out this project? And that sounds intriguing and, and I want to go that route. But again, it's just all this stuff that just comes down to time, right? And it's like, how do you, how do you prioritize, right? And so for me, really, it has been The Arbiters, which is this animated film that's, you know, first and foremost. And it doesn't mean I'm not, I'm very enthusiastic about the other stuff. It's just, again, time in the day. It's really what it comes down to. Um, and add that, you know, I had like this idea of like, okay, well, I've done so many of these lessons, you know, that I put out via these episodes. What if I just made like a coffee table book of those? And it's like something called like advice for artists, you know, a hundred tips to help you thrive. And, you know, each tip is just like a paragraph or two or whatever. Um, what would that look like? And, and in theory, it's doable and, it, you know, it doesn't, like, I don't think it would necessarily take that long. And, like, if you just did, or if I just did, rather, you know, one piece of advice a day, that's 100 days. And, I, you know, I really worked on that. Then, you know, I, I could have it out relatively quick. But we underestimate the time things do take. And... So I really love that idea, but I'm certainly putting that on the back burner because all the other stuff that's already, you know, uh, with it. Um, so, yeah, you know, then, then, then there's kind of that and, um, you know, non-creatively sort of speaking, looking at things. You know, you just see the statistics about the state of the economy. Um, and what's troublesome is there's almost like a gaslighting of like, oh, well, it's not so bad and, you know, this and that. But it's, you know, just on a day-to-day -day basis, gas prices being what they are, grocery price, like the cost of just essentials is, is really hampering people and, um, you know, I know a lot of my friends are feeling it where, you know, if they're lucky to get raises, it's certainly not in keeping up with where inflation's going. Um, certainly, like, like, when you look at Los Angeles, I mean, you know, it was, it was sort of a very disheartening thing to look at that 
rent could be going up as high as 6% in certain areas. And it's like, does that solve homelessness? Because that doesn't seem like it would really solve homelessness. In fact, it seems like that would raise the rates of homelessness. Um, And yeah, I mean, I just, there's like this air of, you know, Los Angeles feels like it's pushing at a lot of people. And not that it was ever easy to, you know, sustain oneself in Los Angeles. And, you know, obviously LA is not the only city, like a lot of people in, in all kinds of cities, New York, San Francisco, yada, yada, deal with this. But, um, you know, what's the solution? And, and what's interesting is like a lot of people that moved from cities to cheaper suburbs um, in various parts of the country, you know, now are starting to regret it. Not everyone, obviously, you know, the percentages are what they are. You know, some, some people like it. But, you know, cities offer connections and, and activities and things of that nature. And, you know, for me, I've always toyed with the idea of, well, what would Austin look like? You know, Austin, Texas. Now, surprisingly, I've never been, but, you know, obviously it's got Austin Film Festival, South by Southwest... There's, there's, you know, in Texas in general, a lot of like great filmmakers and people within the film industry that I look up to are there. Rob Rodriguez, uh, Richard Linklater, Matthew McConaughey, you know. Um, and Austin, you know, feels like a great city. But then, you know, how do you got, kind of grapple with that as far as the politics of it all? You know, it's... Uh, and not even the politics... Yes, of course, but the other side of it, you know, just the fact that, like, in theory, we, we saw what happened with Texas with the snowstorm and how grids went down because they're not on nationalized grids. So, you know, could that, as climate uh, change continues to happen, you know, what, what, what will that look and feel like? You know, these are all worries. And, you know, yes, it's, like, in many ways... There's plenty of calculators out there of like cost comparison, and you know Austin itself is like forty two percent cheaper for cost of living. But then you hear kind of the hidden, like even though you're not actually taxed, you 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 hear about like the hidden rates and how that ends up being more. Um, so it's just I don't I don't know it it becomes tough to grapple with and you know and. And when I talk, by the way, when I talk about the politics of it all, you know, it's not like I'm happy with California in that way. I mean, you know, the way I think we're handling homelessness is just atrocious, as I made mention. And there's plenty of other things in general that just annoy the hell out of me. For example, if you go to a beach, you know, you might as well bring the dictionary because, I mean, the the, the rules of what you're not allowed to do, that's how thick it is, right? Um they might as well summarize it like basically if you came here to have fun don't because there's no fun to be had it's it's wild to me um you know which as a side tangent you know the Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom debate that happened you know if we're going to call it that like I talked about it before but like what was it going to accomplish and you know from Republican standpoint, they look at 
oh, you know, Ron crushed it, blah, blah, blah. From the Democrats of like, oh, look how, uh, you know, Newsom smoked DeSantis. And for what, like, none of it accomplished anything now. It's all just being used as a ploy to fundraise for each individual and so forth. And I think when I talk about this idea of moving, you know, I'm still like considering certain things. My friend Alina has been pushing me towards Albuquerque, New Mexico, which I like price-wise, but I don't love it overall. Um, regardless, it's like, you know, how much do you essentially tough it out? Especially knowing that next year is election year and who the hell knows what's going to happen with that. Um, you know, if nothing else, for me, it would be nice to just get this next movie, quote unquote, in the can. And then, yeah, you know, just kind of after that, it's like, you know what? I've done what I need to do in L.A. Maybe it's time for a new adventure, right? Um, but let me not kind of pull that trigger until after the election sort of a thing. So it's, yeah, it's... It's a very reflective time. Lots of lots of stuff to to think about. Um, you know, and I'm very grateful in the sense that with the relaunch of my website, I've gotten a few new clients, so that's good. Um, and unlike my other clients, it's less about doing t certain work. Um, like it's different work. It's more consulting work. Um, which, which is fun, you know, um, and so that, that's been good, but, you know, it all, all has drawbacks. Like it's, it's, it's exciting. I'd like it. I like the people that I'm working with. Um, I'm very selective about that, by the way, you know, I don't just work with anybody and, you know, it's great to continue to get an influx of, of payment. But in many ways, it's like, why, you know, it's that thing of, as any artist, you have this notion of what you're trying to accomplish, but then of course you have to like fund your, your life and then try to think about funding the art. And all of a sudden now you've got like 12 different jobs and where's the time to be able to, to do all the other stuff. So when I talk about you know, like if I literally just had my full-time job and that was it, then a lot of this other stuff that I've been talking about, like this film and, you know, the novels, the nonfiction book, the short film, like all of that, I would find a way to make that work because I know my time. But all that, you know, is then being dedicated to now all this other stuff and so... Yeah, it's just it's just kind of the reality of it. Um, it's a harsh reality, unfortunately, and and I say that not because woe is me, but I know it's a sentiment a lot of people feel, and it's tough, you know. And even kind of like the state of the world seems very harsh, you know. Um, one thing I don't think we like we talking about like politics. There's no sooner of uh, immigration policy and, you know, the, the, the border being an issue and stuff like that. And 
what I don't think people are really considering is that that's the start of a, a mass migration that will only grow because of, of climate change. You know, when you look at the equator and, 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 and the rising temperatures and so forth, I mean, in due time, like when I talk about moving and why I look at Austin and consider the electrical infrastructure of it all is because something that we're going to really have to grapple with. I mean, the term already exists, but it's going to really be more of a public conscious term is climate resilient locations. We're going to have to kind of, you know, and of course, you know, the, as is always the case, the rich will be able to afford to go to those places and buy up those places. And, you know, those not so affluent will kind of have to suffer out it what it is. And I hope that instead of just doing that, like we'll really start to address the core issue and um, what do they call it? Environmental injustices. I don't maybe, I mean, I think that's a term, but I think there's a something else as well with it. And, but the notion being that, you know, when it comes to climate change itself, those with the least resources suffer the most, you know, so you can look at, uh, Africa as an example, um, and other part, you know, parts of Asia and stuff like that, where we as third world nations, or sorry, first world nations, especially in, in the U S dictate how other countries should, um, you know, adopt climate policies and stuff like that. And yet it's like, they're, they're the least responsible for it. They're the ones suffering the most from it. And by denying them that now all of a sudden they're stifled even more from being able to advance. And it's, it's a whole thing. And it's not necessarily simple solutions, but I think we get away from the core of a lot of issues in general. You know, I, I was thinking about this just in general of like, fuck qualifiers. And what I mean by that is it feels like anytime someone wants to just say something, it's like they have to give qualifiers of their intent before they actually say the thing. Um, you know, like if I wanted to talk about Hamas and Israel, it's like, okay, hey, uh, I'm not anti-Semitic. Um, I'm not pro Hamas and this and that. It's like all these things. So elite. So maybe there's a chance you're willing to like even listen to the to the the message itself. But it's like fuck those qualifiers. You know, um, I've long been a proponent of a good message is a good message, and I don't care where it comes from because ultimately we're not gonna agree with everyone 100%. I mean, I don't agree with myself 100% of the time, right? But a good idea is a good idea and a bad idea is a bad idea. And I think we need, you know, um, we, we need to get away from terming just people. There's bad actions, but there's not bad people. Um, yes, pe there are people certainly, right? I'm not arguing that there's people that have done far more bad actions than they've done any good action, you know, right? But at our core, 
I really do believe that there's a loving side to it. And, you know, when I talk about the power of therapy, like that's what it's to me is we need to heal ourselves so that we don't bring that hatred into the world and create those bad actions. Um, so, yeah, and, and the reason I say that is because too many times when I talk about like these qualifiers and, and losing the message, it's just... I've seen it too many times where something is said, and when you look at its core, it's like, that makes sense. And I feel like a lot of, uh, like, assessing the people that are saying X, Y, and Z, it's like, you guys would actually really agree with this. Like, I know you would and do, but you're stuck on the word choice and this and that. And so we're policing all these things that aren't moving really the needle. Now, I guess as a justification, I understand because in a world that feels so outside of our control so much of the time, we just try to grip at whatever we can have some agency over. But it's not going to create the change that we want and need. You know, true activism is hard. And it takes letting go of the ego and being part of the collective. And so when I talk about like word policing and things of that nature, like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's wild to me, truly. I'm no like theologian or anything like that. But when you look at the Old Testament, there's the notion that one of the Ten Commandments is thou shall not kill, that in fact it's thou shall not murder, and the distinction between murder and kill, where murder is unjustified, killing is justified. You know, that's kind of the basic premise. Certainly a lot better people can articulate and argue that far better than I would and whatnot. But when you make that distinction, then it means that, okay, as long as I'm justified, I can kill. And that's, a, again, when I talk about core ideas and core messages, like, I don't necessarily agree with that, you know? Um, I know, heavy stuff. Kind of leaving you on a cliffhanger because I don't think I have really much to add to that other than as I said, we, we, we got to really try to just understand the intent and, 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 and also just kind of start to grapple with, like, it's just wild to me how many, like, I'll, I'll go down rabbit holes of YouTube videos and TikToks and, you know, Instagrams and whatever, social media stuff. And it's wild to me how many times I see, you know, this person roasted this person. Like, you know, Jordan Peterson roasted this person. And it's like, okay, Jordan Peterson had some good quote. But, like, what they're arguing about isn't even about the same thing, you know? And how, I don't know, like, we, we just pick these things and we glum onto them and it's become so tribal. I don't know. It's just wild to me. And so, 
I don't know, I guess if there is a solution, I try, like for me, not to participate in it. Not to say that I don't want to help others and stuff like that, but I try to look for what's the actual way to help. And, you know, I know a lot of people, they're very good-natured. They worry about speaking their minds in any capacity. You know, it's no different than even, you can consider this part of it, like employees speaking out over what's fair at their jobs and things like that, you know? And the reason I say, like, fuck qualifiers is because for me, like, I'm just done being scared in that way to be canceled or whatever else. Like, I think part of the social justice kind of era perhaps that we're living in is that people don't contemplate their principles and what they really stand for you know it's just and I, I, I try to be very thoughtful for myself I think people are well-intentioned but I, I, I don't also think people sit there as often and again partly because society who has the time like we're just you know we're in the rat race of it But for me, like, even when I'm walking my dog and stuff like that or driving, I try to, you know, use those moments. Like, I don't really blast music or stuff like that. I try to be more introspective about these things to the extent that I can and really define, like, what are my values? Because then whatever happens in in the world, I can react to it based on what my values are, you know, and... Part of my values is that my values will change based on information and stuff like that. And I try not to be reactionary and compulsive and and things of that nature. So hopefully that offers at least a little bit of light into (laughs) a grim subject matter. On a positive note, um, I received a wonderful email from a woman who runs a literary circle for kids and it's aimed at you know like elementary school kids but she says that there's this one particular person she's on the older side she she's 12 years old who you know takes to it like a duck in water and has been loving it and in fact found some of my stuff and it's been very beneficial to her And that's just wild to me. I mean, I often talk about this idea that we get so caught up in just follower count and views and things of that nature that we don't really look at the impact of it. And to know one of my core things is to always just bring as much value as I can and to know that for for someone out there the stuff that I've done really inspires them. That's amazing, you know? And my initial reaction was like, you know, how can I even help more? You know, and I'm not, I don't consider myself like a, an, a, an author per se. Like I am, 
but I don't know, I, it, also in general, I just don't like consider labels um, in that way. Like at the end of the day, I'm just me. And I just do what I like, but um, all the same, you know, it's not my full-time job and stuff like that. And, and But I'm lucky enough to know at least a few writers um, that are, you know, successful. Um, not like a John Grisham or Tom Clancy successful or Stephen King, but successful where, you know, they earn their living from books, at least, you know, a good chunk of it. And that's what they do. They, and they put out books and have multiple books. So, you know, obviously I can't speak on their behalf, but already my mind was racing of like, hey, like, can I... And, you know, the good news is about a lot of those authors, they're women, right? So I was like, okay, well, you know, can I create some sort of mentorship, um, stuff like that? And, you know, I just... Because, I don't know, I feel like that's a very tender age. And the way this um, young girl was described, she seems a little bit timid and seems like she gets her voice out through her writing and... You know, that's amazing, and I want to support that in whatever way that I can. So, yeah, I don't know. That was just amazing to see, and uh, it came at a time when when it was needed. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, was, a, it was a good pick-me-up. You know, I think... I don't know. Um... I'm kind of mentioning it and stuff like that and stuff to like fully pinpoint all the moments. But, you know, you have this existential dread. Like I said, you know, for me, looking at, like literally if I look at the, the cost of life and what I'm making, like if I literally just had my one job, then going into 2024, it's like I would be losing money every month just trying to survive. Like that's... And that's a reality, not just for me, but for a lot of people. And, and it's disheartening, you know? And I was talking with my friend Khalil, and it was just one of those moments. He's like, yeah, you know, I could feel kind of your energy for the past month, like, you know. And that's not what I want to bring to the world, certainly. Uh, to my friends, like, the, be this, you know, um, dark cloud, so to speak, right? <sighs> But it's tough, it, you know, it, it, it can be tough and things like that. And, you know, you need your friends to to work through some of this stuff. And certainly I've been there for other people, but, and, you know, it's not, hopefully not a burden on them. Although, you know, I always look at it like that and I don't want to be that, you know, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough time for a lot of people. It's, it's tough, you know, um, but, uh, you know, I think humor always has to prevail. One of my friends, Ken Knapsack, he does, uh, I forget what he calls it. But it's like a parody on motivation where it's like motivation for losers where he's like, you know, a known, like he calls himself like essentially a known loser. And uh, yeah, it's just a great comedic bit um, that I really appreciate. And so, in humor, I don't know, it's medicinal, let's just say. So, you know, there's that. Um, two more things that I want to talk about. One real quick, you know, uh, I've talked about this years ago, but when my grandmother passed away, you know, she left me her house, so... Um, 
There's me and three cousins, and each one of us um, from her got something, right? And so in, when you look at it on paper, at the age of 30, I owned a house. So in my lifetime, I've owned a house. Now, it was in Slovakia um, and things of that nature. So not that useful to me. And you know what ended up happening was one of my cousins who has a child, uh, you know, it was one of those things like he would benefit from the house far more than me. And so I essentially, you know, I sold it to him, but for basically dirt cheap. And, you know, he's been renovating it. And it's really cool to kind of, I don't know, there's a part of me, like I haven't actually been there to really see it. I've only seen pictures. It'll be interesting, you know, next time I go back to see... Like, I'm excited, and I think it looks good, and very much a lot of the renovation was needed. But at the same time, you know, um, it's like the past is gone, you know. Um, And that energy of that old house that preserved the essence of my grandmother and, you know, my great-grandmother, who who I also got to know pretty well. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to kind of feel that. I don't know. But... um, but I knew it was the right thing to do, um, and I'm glad I did it, <laughs> you know. But uh, it's it's kind of wild to look back on it in the sense of like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I, uh, in some sense, I used to own a house. <laughs> um, the last thing I do want to kind of share um, is this past weekend was Comic-Con LA, and we'd done a panel last year, and this year we got to do another panel, so... Last year, we did, like, how to make a movie for low budget. This year, we focused on filmmakers again, but focusing on emerging technology, specifically AI and stuff like that. And it was a great panel of, you know, six of us total, a mix from last year and, you know, some new people as well. And I have to say, like, which, by the way, you can watch the whole panel itself. Um, I put out that video, um, you know, as an episode so as a podcast or on my YouTube page, blah, blah, blah. But the point being, as far as this is concerned, is I'm just always amazed and appreciative that people do show up, you know? And they're there, they're engaged, they're writing notes, they're at, you know, we try to make it as interactive as we can, so they're asking questions. They stay after the discussion in the hallways with a lot of us to to talk and, you know, ask questions. It's just wild to me. And and again, it goes back to that. Like, I just want to deliver value um, as much as we can. And I knew, like, I mean, how do you (laughs) summarize and and give specificity to something as broad as emerging technology in the film space in just 55 minutes? Um, Let's it's it's a lot, you know, but we wanted to at least give enough, give it entry points, give enough specifics to get people excited and, and allow them a chance into it. And yeah, I had a blast. I'm very thankful that I get to do this and I get to share the stage with other people that are amazing. And also too, um, I have to say, you know, last year I met this filmmaker and, you know, She's young and, and like aspiring to do a lot. And, 
not that like we've grown too close, but like, you know, I see her stuff on Instagram and every now and then, you know, I'll congratulate her on some of the stuff that she's doing. And, you know, she hit me up after she's like, oh, sorry, you know, so bummed I missed you guys this year. And I was like, well, the video is going to be out there. And then I asked her like, um, you know, what she was doing. And then she asked me what I was doing. And, you know, I think, and, you know, she's always looking for stuff to do. And um, again, much like any of us, we want to be a part of something. Some of the stuff that prevents us, I've, I've been mentioning, right? Like the stuff that, you know, we got to keep ourselves afloat. But I really think like with this next project, you know, she's someone that will be involved. You know, I think she, she's that type of person that wants to be involved in things. And um, I certainly love people that have a passion and want to do great work. And I think she is that someone and I, you know, if I'm a betting man, I think she'll be involved and, and she'll have a big role to play. And uh, I am excited for that, you know. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong, but, you know, she just has this great energy. And those are the people I want on my team. Like, anyone who's, like, is talented and has that energy, I just try to, like, keep in my life and support what they're doing. But, yeah, when, when I'm working on my stuff... Um, you know, if they're available, yeah, hell yeah, I want them. So, and I think that speaks to just what true networking is. You know, I think we, networking's kind of been glamorized or uh, misdefined as like, oh, you know, just almost way to just like use people. But really what you're trying to do is foster relationship that can sustain itself for long term. And, you know, even if I don't work with this person, I still will continue to champion what they're doing because I think that's just, they're just an awesome person. And I want people like that to succeed in this business. You know, so, um, especially at this time of year, just to try to wrap a bow on this whole episode, you know, I think that's what the spirit of the holidays is all about is, you know, friends, family, but also our peers and, you know, just to do some good, do good in the world and, and be good in the work that we do, not just as a final product, but how we do it, the process. And that's important too. Anyway, I've yammered for enough. Thank you as always for taking the time to tune in. Truly do appreciate you. Comment down below with any thoughts or questions about what I talked about, what I didn't talk about, what you'd like me to talk about, doesn't matter. You know, just, just whatever's on your mind. Um, and I'll see you hopefully next time.